I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health, fitness, and well-being space to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. The show is brought to you by my company, Body Shop Performance. We create total solutions to optimize your health by focusing on sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. We work with busy professionals on a one-to-one basis for six or 12 months using the latest science and technology. And Body Shop also work with businesses who want to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance and position well-being as a competitive advantage. Find out more at bodyshopperformance.com and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Spencer, and my guest this week is a lady called Nikki Love. She's a mother, a businesswoman, a really extraordinary person by the sound of it, who lives by three words, love, fun, and adventure. Three great words to describe life, I think. Your previous adventures include three London marathons, and this is not a comprehensive list, by the way, so three London marathons. You did seven marathons in seven days which is instant what Raoul Monks did, who was a podcast guest of mine a couple of weeks ago, and it was Raoul that introduced me to Nikki. 63 marathons in 63 days, and if you think it couldn't get any harder, it does. Ran uh, across Ireland, which is 750 miles in 32 days, and your challenge in August is to run across Australia, which is 4,000 kilometers in, believe it or not, 63 days. And we'll find out around the end of September... If you've achieved that, Nikki, welcome to the show. Hi, Leanne. How are you doing? Yeah, really well, thank you. It's slightly <laughs> in awe in the amount of miles that you can cover in such a short period of time. But Nikki, let's start here. You know, when people ask you, what is it that you do? What do you answer? I've been answering recently uh, that I am an adventure runner. He likes to talk about it. He likes to write about it and then do it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they ask how I finance it, and I say that I run my own business, mm-hmm. and that's how I sort of bring it all together. Okay, and uh, take us back then to the moment that you first fell in love with running, or thought that running could unlock that sort of life of love and fun and adventure, which it seems to do for you. It really does. It was a, a very clear moment. At high school, you know how kids are told, right, you're going to go do a cross country. Mm. Now, we were sent out of school. We went cross fields. We were on dirt tracks. We had to climb fences, a real cross country. I loved every minute of it. Mm. It was about three kilometers. I didn't run the entire distance. I had to stop and walk. I didn't know about pacing or anything like that. I was, I think I was 13 or something like that. So it was like, right, off you go, as fast as you can. Yeah. Oh, the classic, yeah. Oh, I run, I've run out. <laughs> I've run out of puff. I'll walk. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready to go again. I'll run again. It was an adventure. I loved it. I got dirty. I got sweaty. I found out that what I was capable of, it, it was just an adventure. And that stuck with me ever since then, that running can take me to places that I've never been before. And that's the thing that when times get tough, I fall back to that thing of running. Where can my feet take me? And then I go off and work out where it, where they do take me. And it is that love of adventure and fun. And yes, it's quite physical. So I love that as well. I've always been into physical activity. And this was a way of, I don't know, taking it out on an adventure somewhere. And when you say take you to places you've never been before, do you mean... Metaphorically, do you mean literally or both? 
Oh, I'm going to say both. First of all, it was physically. So I was able to run away from my home. That doesn't sound like I wanted to run away from home, (laughs) but I I got to travel around. Yeah, but you want to open your world up. Yeah, I wanted to open my world up and and actually took me to places that I'd never been before. You know, this was all before I got my license. So I could run further, run distances that were away from my home. And then as I've got older, I realized that running gives me that time and the ability and the, the freedom and the space to think things through, which actually then becomes the mental side of it is that that ability to take me to places where mm. I let my mind run free, which, uh, you know, thankfully I've got a body that <laughs> responds rather well to it because when my mind goes off on these crazy um, ideas and thinks that, it, it, you know, it can go running around Ireland, it can go running across Australia, my body's been able to keep up with it. So mm. I'm a bit lucky there. <laughs> Yeah, that's extraordinary. (laughs) So let's wind back then. You know, what was the first significant adventure that you went on using your feet as your mode of transport? Well, this is, again, it's going back quite a long time and and these are sort of pivotal moments, I think, is that I had missed my bus and rather than wait for the next bus, I decided to run home. (laughs) And and that was when I realised what I was capable of doing. So that was... And how far was home? It would have been more than 10 k's. So again, I probably would have been about 16 or something like that. And, and yeah. And this is back in Australia in your homeland. Yeah. Back in yeah. Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So that was an adventure of, I had no idea of distances. It was just a bus that I used to catch mm. and then thought, well, you know, I may as well try it. And, and I was able to do it. So that was a very big surprise. The adventure side of it, I think it certainly has been important in all sort of different stages of my life was, when I moved to England, I didn't know anybody other than my partner and I didn't know the place that I arrived at. So that was a great way for me to discover and learn about Nottingham by running, mm. by running around it. And what brought you here? It was love. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> there is that word there, was. Yeah. Oh, okay. That ceased to be fun and no longer an adventure, obviously. <laughs> Well, it turned out to be a great adventure and and we are very good friends and we have raised our son together. So, yeah, it's not a bad thing. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So so it was love that brought you over to Nottingham, you were saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That brought me here. And What's kept you here? Oh, (laughs) having a baby and then deciding that even though our relationship had broken up, I still wanted him to be an important part in my child's life. And I just could not bear the idea of taking him away back home, moving back to Australia. So I figured a way of staying here. And that's where I think we were talking yesterday about finding the ways to make things happen. You have to start working on things to create the life that you want. And that's when I started building my own business and yeah, making myself financially stable to stay in a country that wasn't actually my home and I didn't have any family around. So Mm. so that that was sort of like the building blocks for that. Mm. And before we go into some of that then, when I mentioned Australia just now being your hometown, your face lit up. Mm. I guess your heart still is maybe and ultimately home. Yeah, my parents are still there. My sister's still there, but my boy is here. So Mm. I love both places. So 
if anything, I want to call the entire world my home. <laughs> I would love to be able to live everywhere and anywhere. These are the two places that I've spent a long periods of time. So they are both very you know, important to me. And I am very much looking forward to going home. So I call it home to Australia to run across it and get to see it more up close and personal than I have yeah. done before. I think it's an absolutely incredible thing that you're attempting to do. We went to Australia two years ago on honeymoon. Very briefly, we got on a plane. And we were flying over to Bali. So it's something like a four hour, maybe six hour flight. Six hours. Six hours. Got on the plane, walked in, thought, oh my God, this is like EasyJet. There's not even a TV screen on the, on the headrests. And we were, we were thinking about watching movies, do some stuff. We thought, oh my God, what are we going to do? And we sat there quite complaining about a lack of TV screen. And Australian girl next to me was sort of smirking. And it was only later on when we got halfway across the bush, I mean, there was nothing there. It was like the craters of the moon, apart from Ayers Rock. That's all we saw for six hours looking out the window, pretty much. It's only then that it occurred to me just how vast Australia is, and six hours is not a long trip for you guys. Now, for <laughs> us, it's pretty much London to New York. You was no yeah. way you'd do that flight without a TV screen and movies and a whole host of things to entertain you. And then the pilot actually sort of lent the plane over because we had such an amazing view of Ayers Rock. And I invited the Australians who were next to me, do you want to lean over and look out the window? And then we got chatting. And then I said, God, you must have thought we were a couple of princesses moaning about the lack of TV. And they were like, well, you know, <laughs> I think yes, they did. But yeah, and it's the vastness of the country that's incredible. But before we talk about that, just write detail very briefly in how you got into doing sort of increasingly difficult events. And then it would be really good to focus, I think, on just how you manage the sort of convergent pressures of motherhood, of running your own business, and still fulfilling the need for adventure. Because I think that's, whilst people are probably not aspiring to run across Australia or Ireland, or perhaps even do a marathon, most people listening have got lots of plates up in the air, but they would love to do more stuff that's about adventure. Mm. So there's loads in there. But yeah, how did you, first of all, how did you sort of gear up for these different events? Oh, okay. So the first time I attempted a marathon was six months after I gave birth to my son and I really had not done any training would even sort of you know make me think that I could finish it Mm. I didn't actually finish it I got to 19 miles completely tuck it out and thought well this just isn't my time but rather than take it as a negative I thought right this has been a learning curve I will go home look after my son, my six-month-old, and I'll train. And as soon as I got home, I entered another race, which was the London Marathon. And that was way back in a time when you could just do that. (laughs) And I got into London. I trained for the next six months and I finished that marathon. I had it in my head that I wanted to be a marathon runner and I was not going to give up until I became that person. I didn't want to be the person who gave up. So whilst I stopped at mile 19, it wasn't me giving up. And that was quite a a shift in mindset. It wasn't a failure. It was a first attempt. Mm. And from that point on, I thought, well, you know, if I'm capable of doing that, what else am I capable of doing? I did my second marathon. And then on the third time I got into London, I thought, well, actually, what am I capable of doing? And By this stage, I'd been reading quite a lot of books, autobiographies, reading such a dangerous thing. (laughs) And, And my head was full of these ideas. And I'd read a book by uh, Dean Carnese's, which was 50 and 50. He did uh-huh. 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states of America. 
and another lady by the name of Rosie Swalepoke, where she circumnavigated the world. She started in Wales and Tembe and ran around the world on that axis. Wow. In what time? Took her five years. It's an amazing it was, and it's an amazing story, and I think I'm very lucky to now call her a friend. She is now 72, and she is still running. She's currently running to Kathmandu. Wow. <laughs> she started. <laughs> no, she started in Brighton. So she started, right. you know, she, she's well, cheated a little bit. She started a little closer, bit closer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit closer. <laughs> Extraordinary. And these two books and these two people made me think, what am I capable of doing? And rather than sort of like be intimidated by it, it was actually a, a light bulb that what can I do? And so from there, I decided that I would got into London and I was going to run 30 marathons in 30 days. At that time, the people around me, the support I had, everybody said, you can't do it, Nikki. And I listened. 30 marathons in 30 consecutive days yes yeah one a day that had been my goal yeah and I listened to the people around me and they told me all the reasons why it couldn't be done and the thing is I listened and I dulled down my ambitions and I ran seven marathons in seven days it turned out that I'm so glad I did because on the eighth day I couldn't move mm. <laughs> But again, it was another lesson learned in that I had an idea. I let people talk me out of these thoughts. So that stayed and it stuck in my head that that was some unfinished business there. I wanted to do more. I wanted to see what I was capable of. I didn't have people around me who said, wow, well done. Now you can try and go further. They, they said, right, can you now get rid of that idea? Can you put it in that I've done it sort of basket? Mm. So it, it became another thing of, right, I've got to work on my internal strength, my beliefs of what I believe I can do. It honestly took another six years from there to build up the strength and the confidence and the belief that I could actually do more. So the thinking of the 50 and 50 still stayed there and I was coming up to my 50th birthday which seemed like an appropriate time to, you know, bring this out of my head and into action. I then had a look at the world record for most consecutive marathons by a woman and found an article about a lady who had done 60. And then I'm like, well, okay, well, 50 and 60 sound very similar. Let's go for at least 60. And, and from there, it was just a very quick skipping a jump to 63 because the on the road for nine weeks nine sevens of 63 it was that simple an equation mm. and that was then my target right. I had again a lot of people try and talk me out of it but this time I listened to me rather than to them and we set off and I did it <laughs> so there, well, there you go firstly, obviously massive congratulations but it's very very extreme what drove you to do it what are you trying to prove or achieve or feel or get towards or get away from or whatever it is for you? Okay, so there's there's a lot of things going on there. First of all, I wanted to see what I was capable of. So it wasn't maybe proving to myself what I could do, but wanting to see what I could do. So mm -hmm. giving myself that target was the goal. So that was to prove to me that I could do it. In the process, 
you get to prove other people wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's a more positive side to that, which is proving myself right rather than go out and try and prove other people wrong. But, you know, it's still there. So <laughs> that whole six-year period was a, a time of listening to other people rather than following my own dreams. So, again, it's that when do you stand up and, and say, no, this is me, this is what I want to do. Yeah, it took a long time. But along the way, I've discovered that whilst that, that was my internal drive to prove myself right and to see what I'm capable of doing and just see how far I could go, I'm glad to see uh, find out that I'm, I still haven't found my, my limits yet and I'm, I'm hoping that mm. I never do. Mm. Um, but, but, yeah, that's always the sort of like the, the keep pushing and keep pushing because I, I think I'm capable of more and more and more. But along the way, I've realised that what I do actually inspires other people. And along the way, I've raised money for charity. So this starts becoming these outside influences as well, mm. that people contacting me saying, well, you know, you've inspired me to do something and your words have encouraged me to go and try my and do the things I want to do. And all of a sudden, you're not the only person trying to do this. And, and if you show your examples, other people may get something from it. Mm. And, yes, the whole raising money for charities, that's been a beautiful thing. So, you know, if what I can do helps other people, then, yeah, there's more purpose to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You make it sound as though it's quite easy for you, but I'm sure it isn't. What are some of the insecurities or nagging fears that you come across? And at what stage of the event? Do they happen before or the night before or during the events? <laughs> I spend a lot of time working on the mental side of, of prepping for these things because one minute I believe totally that I can do it and the next minute I have total doubts that I can even possibly run five kilometres, let alone or, or four kilometres, let alone 4,000 kilometres. This is always a work in progress, working on that belief. And it isn't easy because life throws things at you and, and when things are thrown at you, you start thinking, well, maybe I can't do this, maybe I'm pushing just one step too far. But then I have to think again about why it is that I'd want to give it a go in the first place. What's the worst possible outcome? And, and when you realise that there is a worst possible outcome, I might die while I'm doing it, but that's the worst possible outcome. Mm. From that point backwards, I may try and make sure that <laughs> death's not on the cards. And once you take that away, then you realise that all the things are just, they're just little scares really. I think probably my biggest fear this being judged that I try something and not that I fail at it, but what other people may think of me failing at it. So mm. once I realise that people are going to make a judgment call any which way I do, whether I succeed or whether I fail, then it's now quite an irrelevant thing. Mm. I try and put it aside. I was going to ask you, how do you train mentally? Because we all know how you train for running from a physical perspective, but for, how do you train your mind to be strong enough to endure these events? I have a, a way of doing it. I write a lot. I have a journal that I write in every morning. I read somewhere, it was a book on how to change your brain, where the written word, if you read it, your subconscious believes it. It believes what it's, whatever it's reading. Mm. So I write and I have done this for the last few years uh, before all my adventures is in the past tense is that I've already done it 
So the months leading up to running my 63 marathons, I would write every morning, I ran 63 marathons in 63 days. It's reinforcing to my subconscious that I've already done it. So my my list now is getting quite long of what I write in the morning. So I write about what I have done Mm -hmm. and then what I'm going to do, but I I write it as I have done it. So the next couple of adventures are already on my list of me having done them. And over the years, these become a reality. So it works. That's the way I work with it mentally. Then I also, I spend a lot of time thinking about my whys, yeah. that whole thing of start with your why. Mm-hmm. And I write about them all the time so that when it gets tough, I can recall what it is that I, yeah. I'm doing it for. Completely get that. I also, my team is a team of one, <laughs> my partner, Cherie, I have told him so often about my whys. So these are very important to be able to tell other people as well. And whenever I have a bad time or a bad moment, he will throw them back at me and say, but you told me this, this is the reason why. Mm. And if I can't get myself out of a bad spot, then he can because he tells me the reasons that I listed in the first place, all the whys, mm-hmm. all the why I'm going to go through this pain, yeah. this these doubts, this hard part. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. I think that's really helpful. So to the final part of my question a few moments ago, how do you organise your life so that you're able to be the mother you want to be, to run your business successfully that enables you to live you know, a partial life, at least of adventure? How do you do that? I definitely don't work for a company because <laughs> it would be a little bit rude of me to keep saying. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I only want to go off for a couple of months and, and I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. But even so, I mean, running your own business doesn't give you all the freedoms that you necessarily might hope for unless you create no. that very deliberately. It doesn't. So that that's what I have done, what I have created. So again, starting with your why. So way, way, way back when I, I started my business, the why I wanted to start my business in the first place was because I wanted to be a mum who got to spend time at home with her child, who wanted to do the school runs, who mm-hmm. wanted to have that lifestyle. So I worked a business around that. I built a business around that. It has had very highs and lows whilst I've wanted that lifestyle and those time frames that haven't always worked so I've I've had to work away from home I've had to make adjustments but that's part of building your business and your life is that you have to be adaptable you have to be focused on what it is that you want but then work the ways to make it happen Mm -hmm. so you know wanting to run and run a marathon when I had a well a six month older who was coming up so by the time I actually ran it you know he was 12 months old for me to train run and train I had to buy one of those um, running buggies where he came out and did the runs with me so I had to find ways to to create the life I wanted, which is, Mm. yeah, so it's always being clear of what the end goal is that helps you prioritise and put things in place. Um, Mm. So that when you said before about people having lots of plates spinning when they want to do something more, and I, I don't want this to sound flippant, but you have to work out what it is that you genuinely want and if that means that you journal that lifestyle that you want Mm. then eventually you will start making the decisions and the choices to implement the results that you want 
Oh, it sounds to me like, and unfortunately we're running short on time, but you clearly visualised the kind of life that you wanted. And then you wrote about it as though it had already happened, making it yeah. real. And then the, it, that profoundly influenced the decisions and choices you made because it was all around that vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's great to hear that because I very often see both men and women having, you know, those convergent pressures I talked about earlier, just squeezing out any time they've got for themselves, the putting themselves lowest in the pecking order with children and career and everything else ahead of it. And it saddens me, really. I think we need to put ourselves first in a very positive sense. It doesn't mean it's selfish, but it's keeping an eye on on the adventure that lights you up so that you can be a better mother, partner, friend, creating a business that fulfills your needs, not the other way around. And we can do that when we're working for somebody else as well, to a point. It's certainly easier when it's your business that you can mold in any direction you like. So I think it's incredible. It's a shame we haven't got longer to speak because I feel like we've only just sort of got started. But in the last couple of minutes we've got, just tell us quickly about Australia. And is there any way that anyone listening in could support you if they want to? Absolutely. So I'm going to be running from Cottesloe Beach in Perth to Bondi Beach in Sydney. I start August 25th with the end goal date of October the 24th. That's 63 days. Right. Again, I've chosen the 63. It just happened to be a bit of a coincidence that if I run 63 kilometres for 63 days, that's pretty much the distance between Cottesloe Beach and Bondi Beach. So whilst I use the 63 and 63 days for the marathons, it mm. just seems to be a, a nice little sink. It's a Guinness World Record attempt. Okay. I'm attempting to break a 12-year-old record. Along the way, I am trying to encourage an inspire other people to either join me physically or join me virtually Mm -hmm. there's lots of details on my website we'll link to that yep yep tell tell us the website all right it's it's nikkilove.co.uk okay easy and that's n-i-k-k-i isn't it yes nikki love yeah we'll link to it in the show notes Okay. And I have a little primary schools program where the kids run around at schools and as a team, the school runs the same distance as me. So I do a lot of school visits and and get the kids all hyped up and motivated and hopefully fall in love with this running and the adventure of running. And hopefully they will take that through for the rest of their lives as well. So Amazing. Yeah, thank you. Nikki, you're definitely one of the more inspiring people we've had on the show. I want to thank you for your time. Please do come on and tell us all about it, whether you've done it or not, although I've got a strong feeling that you will achieve it. That's an extraordinary... <laughs> so, I mean, if 63 kilometres is, what, 50-odd miles a day? Oh, yeah, it's about 40 miles. 40 miles, okay, well, still. Yeah. Imagine coming back, though, and saying, I've run across Australia. It took me six hours to fly across part of it, <laughs> most of it, admittedly, but... And I was bleating about the lack of a TV. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be one doozy of an adventure. <laughs> oh, well, that's one way of putting it. Do come back and tell us all about it. And thank you very much for your time. All the best. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, www.bodyshotperformance.com and click on Take the Test. It'll take you through to a short two to three minute test. And at the end of that, you'll get a scorecard and a free 39 page report based on our six signals, sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please think of someone who could really benefit from the content and hit that share button and send it across to them. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. Thank you very much for listening.